Hello. If you've been following the previous episodes of this podcast, you'll know that we've attempted to demystify some of the myths and magic around automation and determine if it is really delivering on its initial promise. Today, we apply the theory to real life. Many businesses are anticipating economic pressures to follow the pandemic, placing more emphasis on cost-cutting measures and cash, as well as ways to make the organisation leaner, fitter and more agile, and indeed to make companies more attractive for employees. In short, service providers and software companies are being asked to create new ways of detecting, preventing and overcoming frictions in their clients' business operations. In other words, creating or evolving the digital-ready and socially responsible business. I'm Brian Doherty and this is Automation Station, a series of six podcasts about, not surprisingly, automation. Joining me to explore more about how digital-ready organisations are poised to lead the quest for this new normal, I am joined by two very special guests. Firstly, Capgemini's Marek Sova. Marek is the Head of Artificial Intelligence, Automation and Innovation with the Business Services Global Business Line and a mentor with the Nuva Rushjau, or New Chapter, a programme that brings professional and scientific career counselling to young people in foster care in Poland. Marek. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for inviting me. On my daily job, I help global organizations to create and shape their products and services and become better better versions of themselves to really address the market challenges of their customers. And that involves a lot of thinking about what innovation is, what, and in the context of automation, it really means for the businesses, but also for the society um, as a whole. So thank you very much for having me here. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Thanks, Mark. And indeed, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about some of those um, initiatives in a little while. I'm delighted to say that also joining me from Georgia, USA, is Mike Lackey from SAP. Mike is the German organization's global vice president of solution management for the digital manufacturing line of business. Mike has a unique set of skills that covers both manufacturing software and design collaboration, along with over 30 years of experience in the manufacturing sector. Mike, you're very welcome. Brian, thanks for having me. I look forward to the conversation with Merrick and, and adding some value on this topic around the frictionless enterprise and, and automation. You know, I've, I'm very fortunate, um, have the honor of globally working with our customers at SAP on their digital transformation and what the factory of the future is going to look like. And, you know, c- connecting that with my experience on the uh, shop floor where I started my career as a manufacturing engineer. You know, I think I can bring some added value to this discussion today and really look forward. I've no doubt that's the case, Mike. And and thank you for mentioning one of the, the first topics I wanted to to embrace here, which was around frictionless enterprise. Marek, if I turn to you first, when we say frictionless enterprise, we're not talking political frictions, not necessarily anyway. Can you give me some example of what frictionless enterprise means in practice? Sure. In practice, it really means that Still, a lot of global businesses are out there are very op- operating in very siloed mode. Is regarding of the pandemic impact really or the post-pandemic business landscape? So we are dealing here with a lot of the issues with systems not talking to each other, poor data quality, or even the business process between variety of different departments or countries. There's also growing dependency around you know technical depth and shadow IT being 
basically just on the rise because a lot of these businesses want or need to automate or need to adjust to the new reality. And these individual puzzles don't necessarily work together the way we should, creating the frictions. And instead of focusing on the value add and the customer journeys and actually creating or addressing the client the end consumer challenges, a lot of the effort is actually spending on just patches. And these are the frictions. And in the business context, that might be uh, finance and accounting department not talking to the stock department or, or the manufacturing department about really what matters for the business instead of having just basically focus on yet another Excel spreadsheet and reports, right? So these multiple activities are happening every day. And we're helping by either automating or digitally augmenting the process where previously we're very dependent on the human decision-making or even on the human being part of that. And making sure that the people can actually focus on what what they've been hired to do in, and allow automation to handle the rest. And Mike, if I turn to you, Mar- Marek talked a little there about, you know, the possibilities of automation in, that, in, in those scenarios. And presumably automation is, you know, is becoming a given that it will feature in any part of a business transformation program. Uh, what part maybe does automation play in, in you know, in, in smoothing out those frictions that Marek spoke of? Right. So, you know, Brian, when we look at you know, this fr- frictionless or the friction that's happening inside the enterprise, you know, one of the ways we can address it is making that enterprise intelligent, turning it into an intelligent uh, enterprise. When we take a look at all the technology that's out there, every one of our customers have an initiative going on, whether it is the intelligent factory, the smart factory, the live factory, the digital factory is changing what the factory of the future is going to look like or the plant of the future, what is it going to look like so that it can really, at the end of the day, address customers, their customers' needs. How quickly can I respond to these ever-changing you know, customers' demands and, and customers' requirements? And if we look at that focus, there's more complexity is being added today. And what we have to do is simplify. And we simplify that with information. You know, automation can produce a lot of data fast, and it's not just about creating data. It's about collecting the right data and tying it back with your business information to know the impact on your business and how to respond. So for for me, it's getting the right information in the hands of the right decision maker in a very automated environment is the way we're going to eliminate a lot of this friction and create that intelligent enterprise. So so just building on that, there's a quest for seamless and effortless flow of information and collaboration between employees, the departments they work with, and their relationship with suppliers, partners, and obviously, as you say, customers. You've written previously, Mike, about the need to improve both the processes and data available when in the product development lifecycle, there's a need for a seamless handover from the engineering or design phase to the manufacturing phase. Is, is that one example of where automation can help bring about that seamlessness? Oh, ab- absolutely. If you look at it today, you know, customers' demand is, is changing. And one of the things we have to do is capture that demand signal as soon as possible. And with this drive toward more individualized experience or individualized products, you know, lot size of one, it may not be a lot size of one, but our lot sizes are decreasing at the manufacturing level here. It's about getting that customer's requirements. And it may not be a product that's already designed. So we have to go into our design phase, capture what that customer wants, and then get it into production in a seamless, frictionless handoff. 
And then when we get it out into manufacturing, can we execute? Do you have the processes? Do you have the material? Remember, you know, as these lot sizes get smaller, you don't have as much runway. You know, we have a customer that was making 50,000 units per day make the stock. And in the six months, their business went to 40,000 make the order. And their lead time went from 14 days down to five. So that responsiveness that you have to have in your processes and having process control and standardization across all your plants, not just one plant, but your 10 plants, 12, 24, 44 plants, so that you know you have the flexibility to move production to meet those customers' requirements. Because if you can't, one thing we've learned is that they will find a supplier who can. So building that agility into our processes and standardization is the key to the future. And automation is playing a big role in that because it's that the speed at which we can collect data and take action on that data is really driving, I think, the need for automation. And employees' roles are changing in these down at the manufacturing level. So uh, we're seeing a, a lot of this take place and not just from manufacturing to design, but you also have that manufacturing connection to, okay, I've collected this data. What does it mean to my cost structure? What does it mean to my suppliers? Can I bring my suppliers in closer? What is it impact on my customer commitment, my inventory levels? All these things have to come together to really you know, be able to drive that digital transformation and better service that customer. Marek, if I come to you, I want to talk a little bit more about the work you described doing earlier with some you know, children, youngsters in foster care and elsewhere. But before I ask that, and just adding to what um, Mike has said, is there anything you want to give in a different perspective from the service provider point of view? Sure. So actually, so just going back to, to what Mike mentioned, there's multiple layers of it, right? Because it's, you know, it's all about actually providing that free and accessible data all across the business and aligning into the strategy there with the you know the cloud or sometimes more often we're talking here about intelligent automation intelligent process automation or hyperscale automation even it's about making sure that really the the technical means that are there in many of these organizations is really to be able to leverage and combine the root business strategy really the, the very core of the business with all these individual bits and pieces of, of information available. That's why it's so important to have, first of all, understanding of the data landscape, understanding of the business objectives, and actually aligning it through technology, not all the way around. And because of the rising new trends around sustainable planet and DevSecOps, it actually, the more and more, the, the whole way of how you shape your business processes, services, or you design the products is actually being interlinked it stops being just fashion of one single one single manufacturer there's the whole ecosystem to be taken into account and, and that kind of um, forward-facing perspective there i guess can be very much measured by what you know youngsters are doing and learning in schools right now today and as we mentioned you serve as a mentor for young people in foster care offering career guidance and counseling and i know you do other work as well but i'd, I'd be interested to know what um you bring in terms of automation and AI, you know, the, the perspective that you bring to counseling? Well, honestly, when I was younger, I wish someone would tell me what to do with my life or what to focus on. I was lucky. I was, I was lucky that I found a purpose in my life and I was able to actually educate myself and have both technical means and actually opportunity to use it. 
And a lot of young people that I'm that I'm working with don't even have a clear perspective or clear guidance, or they simply don't have the same level of accessibility or digital inclusivity to to these technologies. So really, my role is I'm trying to educate the young population, which is really the workforce of the future of our companies, about what are the potential avenues, what these tools and techniques can do to their business and how to shape their own education, shape their own focus to be to prepare themselves as employees of the future or potential business owners as well. So when we're talking, for example, in perspective of automation of AI that involves everything from doing technical for leadership, knowledge sharing, hackathons, education sessions for more technically inclined. But also recently I did the series of sessions with with young women about describing that it's absolutely okay to be to become a woman in in IT and it's you should there should no nothing stop you another thing is it's also giving them tools perspective and think clearly what how they're going to benefit from it how the organization or society will benefit of it, but actually equip them on that journey right so it's i think it's a win-win for either regardless if we're talking about the foster care is that I'm working with or with, for example, young students or people that are just getting to the school, where for them, clear guidance, it's, it gives them purpose, and but also the tools to execute and tools and techniques to build on that their own future. And for the businesses globally, hey, we're building the workforce of the future. They will be our employees or they will be our, your bosses or they will be our partners in the future. So that's kind of my guidance where, where I'm trying to do. And that's kind of what I'd like to talk a little bit more about is, you know, exactly that kind of shaping this this new landscape for prospective new employees. And it seems to me that there, you know, it, it, there's a, a finer line between an employee and a customer, as it were. And Mike, if I could ask you, do, do you think that the way in which we recruit and the environment that employers provide for employees and the career path that you know, can and will be offered, is that a changing landscape? Right. A- absolutely. And I really appreciate listening to Merrick and what, what he's doing, not only in business, but outside the business to shape the future of our workforce. Look, we, we have a serious labor shortage out in the market, especially in, in, in manufacturing. And if we don't use technology to attract the worker of the future, then we're going to continue this shortage. And that's why you're seeing this big move to automations in the plants. You know, I have a customer in Austria that has cobots working next to humans to, to supplement the shortage in the force. We see a lot of companies moving in that midnight shift. They can't attract uh, talent to work, you know, their graveyard shifts. So they, those shifts are becoming highly automated with AGVs and, and more robotics. So in the manufacturing, automation is becoming a big part of, especially as the aging workforce is starting, is moving to retirement. Now, that aging workforce, again, if you ever walk the plant and you've, you you hear a sound and that senior person knows exactly what's happening and can address it. This new generation, they want that experience that they have when they're online. You know, artificial intelligence uh, is a big part of that machine learning. So to we we're going to attract this, I really think the universities, academia, the business world and partners like Kim Cap Gemini and SAP need to come together to really drive what the education of the future is, how companies can attract it. And then we have to make that experience even more robust to attract that worker of the future. And I think that's a big challenge that we're hearing today and we see everywhere on a global basis. And there's a lot of technology 
they've got automation layer that can change this and we have to take advantage of it and make it available to the masses. And and those that those that scenario that you describe on the factory floor in you know be it in manufacturing or wherever, Marek, presumably you know they're echoed and replicated through the finance and IT and supply chain and beyond. Oh yeah. So this is where actually I absolutely love the concept of combining the both the physical, the, the hardware, but also with the with something that people don't see is happening behind the scenes or on databases, but also on the business process, you know, finance, IT, supply chain, contact centers, and go, go, going just far beyond. This is why, for example, this the partnership that we have is actually combining both aspects together in so, such a critical and uh, it's such a critical to organizational success. And if we'll take ourselves into the perspective of an employee, you're not only working on a single compartmentalized part of the process or a single small application. You're part of something bigger. The fact, for example, sometimes that you have non-standardized process, you might have the best system in place, but if you don't have a the right tools and the right process to work with, given the context, you're actually introducing this, the frictions in their, in their uh, enterprises. That's why having the right foundation either as an employee and right tools or the right foundation and the right guidance coming from the business perspective is such a critical um, uh, component of actually getting rid of the the frictions, again, from the operations. So so is it really as simple as automation removes friction, makes the business run smoother and therefore creates a happy employee? I wouldn't say so. You know, technology is just one of the tools out there. In reality, it requires change management. It requires change of the mindsets very often. And also, even what we see right now, the evolution of how people collaborate between themselves between between each other how you work with the customer or how do you even work with with hardware the type of the automation like like mike mentioned actually real robots on the in the plants are working hand to hand with a human it's the whole relationship is really evolving and that needs to be taken into account when shaping the business of the future you know brian we do a great job companies do a great job of getting the right people in the room to make a decision where we fail is getting the right information. And that's part of this whole automation process is getting the right information in the hands of the decision maker as soon as possible. And one of the things we can do is automate that process, right? I mean, if we look at the level of, of automation that we can put, and, I, and yes, I come at it from a manufacturing standpoint, but in finance, in customer service, customer support, suppliers, you know, if you bring all this together, I mean, we have companies that where we're connected to robots and automation equipment, we're collecting data, analyzing that data in 150 milliseconds, telling it what to do next. Okay. And if I, we were talking to that customer, they'd tell you, Mike, I need 50 milliseconds. So the speed of collecting, not just collecting data, but taking action with machine learning is a lot of what we're seeing is going on. You know, visual inspection is a big thing out today. If we look at the human brain, we can only process so much data, 8 to 12 pieces of data at once, but with this new level of artificial intelligence, you know, it's it's unlimited what can be analyzed in milliseconds and know how to take action. So that's the biggest thing that we're seeing is getting information in the hands of the right people at the right time, at the point of the decision. And that's how you really change a culture. And that's how you, what I really think automation is bringing to to the party here. And the other factor that 
seems to be emerging as a more dominant force post-pandemic is corporate responsibility and sustainability. There is a clear relationship between sustainability and efficiency, but is there a relationship between removing friction and, say, reducing CO2 emissions? I believe so, yes. And actually, we've seen a lot of the focus of, for example, the customers that we're working with, both on the business transformation side of the things, but also the pure automation projects. There is more awareness about business and actually environmental impact of either artificial intelligence or automation capabilities. More and more focus is being put about, can you get AI, green AI certified as machine learning engineer? Can you as CXO be actually AI also certified to make sure that that you understand what are the CO2 emissions um, uh, being produced, but you just bring in? So there's multiple layers of it. Same goes for automation. For example, robotic process automation technology, really the best solution. And can it help you to fight the carbon emission around your business? Can it be part of the solution or actually can it introduce um, uh, more emissions? So you need to make it uh, be smarter about how you build them in the right way to match the goals um, and expectations of your company. So there's multiple different layers around, uh, obviously on the data side of the things, on the employee side of the things. And the better we are getting at removing uh, these frictions and actually increasing the level of relationship between customer data systems and our employees, it will have a positive impact on on the business overall. We've seen it already happening, and I absolutely love this movement. Brian, the quickest way to shut down a plant, and you shut down a plant, you can't ship, you can't ship, you can't invoice, you can't invoice, you can't bill, is to run out of material. And so, you know, we talk a lot about CO2, and yes, reporting carbon footprint is a requirement at every plant today. But sourcing sustainable materials is having a big impact in making sure that you always have material to keep those plants running. Now, when you have friction, you create waste. You create waste, you have to produce more products, you have to produce at different uh, longer shifts, and that all creates more energy. When you have scrap, you know, it creates more manufacturing. When you can't meet a full order, then you have more transportation costs and that puts more trucks, more planes, more you know ships on the road and in the seas and in the air. And that all affects the environment. So sustainability is a big part today, not only because of the social value of sustainability, but the ability to control costs and also to really maintain your plants open and, and manufacturing and production running when you have a very sustainable supply chain. Uh, that's a big important part of it. So uh, yeah, it's sustainability has become a huge part and it fits very well with what we're trying to do with the frictionless enterprise and the intelligent and with the intelligent enterprise. So sustainability is a big part of what we're talking with our customers about today because the added value and the impact on their business and the social aspect of it that we read so much about. Thanks, Mike. And, and indeed, thanks, Marek, because that's about as much time as we have um, today on, on this podcast. I think we've covered a lot of ground in the past 20 minutes or so, and I hope we've helped you to simplify your automation journey. Let me say thank you to Mike and to Marek. Thank you for your time, your participation, and of course, your insights. Well, that ends episode three of Automation Station. In the next episode, we turn our attention to EPR, CRM, and all things applications where the pressure is on to move beyond routine service provision and become key business enabling units. 
We'll be joined by industry-leading experts to find out if the IT department is stepping up as the business's leading innovation partner with automation as their flagship tool. Join me then. Automation Station was produced and edited by the Capgemini Social Content Studio, written and presented by me, Brian Doherty, with original music from Abishu Rakshit.